to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Good morning, church. My name is Janice, one of the pastors of the city, and a really good warm welcome to you. If you don't know me and the first time, good to see you. I want to tell you a story about my life about 11 years ago, uh, a short period that happened when I was 11 years younger. And so I was for a short stint in a place called Kansas City in the U.S. And so we were there, uh, I was with a team that I was uh, interning with, and we were running a missions and prayer training. And so while we were there doing this, like a few weeks long kind of training, uh, we had a lot of opportunity to kind of, um, you know, uh, soak in prayer and scripture and just spend a lot of time uh, being in silence and solitude also. Uh, and also a lot of group time just sharing about the Word of God and just going deeper in, you know, things that we're, we were learning from classes or uh, stuff that we were teaching each other. Uh, and just the whole training was really good. Now, part of that uh, was what really happened was very formative for my spiritual life. And so during that season, uh, there were just, you know, several things that God began to kind of uh, uh, work on, right, in, in my life. And one of the things was how uh, as, as we went through the weeks, uh, I felt just really challenged to commit myself to a season of um, just liquids, right, sort of like a fast, right? So during that season, uh, uh, it was uh, super challenging. I hadn't tried something for that extended period of time before, uh, like a long liquid-based fast only for many days. And I remember just struggling and just really uh, finding it so challenging uh, until sort of like a midpoint uh, of that whole fast. So that's one aspect of it. Uh, I won't tell you like full detailed story. Another aspect was during many times of the prayer times, uh, God began to just really uh, uh, wean me of a lot of things. And uh, in, whether that's including like uh, in areas of relationship, uh, in the area of like my future, uh, and like what I sense that like, God was calling me to, uh, and um, uh, just different things. Like God was weaning these and surfacing issues in my heart, and he wanted to deal with them. And so I remember just during that time, uh, really drawn into just uh, really being just intimate and very close to God. And I was sharing this story, and there are like many aspects of that whole journey that I'm, I'm uh, not detailing. But I'm sharing that story because I want to share how it was very formative for me to have gone through a period where I felt like God was stripping away more things than I expected, and yet, like I, I was, uh, as I did that, there was increasing delight, and there was just increasing joy, and just a sense of just knowing God and knowing myself more. And it was a very valuable period of my life, and of course, that continues until today, but just in different ways, and and also um, experiencing in different uh, aspects that God is dealing in my heart until today. And I'm, I'm also bringing it up because I remember, I was reminded how at the beginning of the year in January, February, we kind of just, you know, week after week on Sundays, talking about the Holy Spirit a lot more. And I remember just uh, really just being amazed at how God was really speaking to our community about His Spirit. And that's super precious. And I'm sure many of you remember those few weeks when just worship and, and all that was just really impacting our hearts. And God was just really stirring up something in the Spirit in our, in our congregational worship uh, that I know uh, continues on even today, right? Wherever we're spread out in all our homes, uh, God is still calling us as his people to be a committed people to uh, to be a people who participates in the work of his kingdom and to be a people who are about not just our good but the collective good right uh, and, and so God is calling and calling us in a season of like even consecration and many aspects of our lives whether it's you know these past few months we've been going through like um, uh, uh, disruption uh, that are that are that disruption in our lives that, that's new or even from long before Four, where God is calling a generation of people who would be willing to be set apart for His use, right? And so I draw your attention.
attention to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 21 to 22, which says this. It says in 2 Timothy 2, 21 to 22 says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And so when you look at this verse, it says, if anyone cleanses himself. So you get this notion that it's not just God cleansing us, but we cleanse, we cleanse ourselves. And how does that happen? Verse 22, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, pursue faith, love, and peace, along with others who also pursue the same. So this notion of being just consecrated and being made clean before God for His use uh, involves fleeing and involves pursuing. Right, And it's not just for a special few people. We're not just talking about like John the Baptist. Uh, uh, um, we're not just talking about you know, people who uh, make certain vows. We're not talking about uh, like the prophet Samuel who all his life was dedicated to the Lord. We're talking about today, God is calling a people and all of us, that's all of us. It's you, it's me, every single one of us, young to old. God is calling every single one of us to be like this verse, to flee youthful passions and pursue the things of his kingdom, to seek his kingdom. And I'm setting this as a base before we go on to talk about our topic today, which is POTS Week 9. Self-control is what we're talking about. We love talking about self-control. Who doesn't love talking about self-control, right? If you think about it, the funny thing is, I think most love songs are talking about losing self-control. Did you ever think about that? Right. No, we don't really love talking about self-control, but we are going to talk about it today because it's super important, right? And as one of the fruit of the Spirit. Draw your attention to Romans. I'm going to read you two versions of this verse. Romans chapter 7, verse 15 onwards. Uh, Here, Paul is writing something that I think many of us would resonate with. He says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. So, now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. I'd like to read you the message version because sometimes that sheds a bit more light and it's like the way we understand in our English terms, right? What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another. Doing things I absolutely despise. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions don't result in action. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. Now you've got to understand that this is Paul talking, but then it's all of us. Say, it's me. Where, right where you're sitting, say, it's me. That's me. This is talking about me. All of us, right? This is me. A.W. Tozer calls, uh, uh, makes a call in his writing that says, prayer for revival will prevail when it's accompanied by radical amendment of life, not before. I think that's such a powerful phrase. Amendment, radical amendment of life. And he goes on to say, to obey is better than sacrifice. We must return to New Testament Christianity, not in creed only, but in complete manner of life. Complete manner. Separation, obedience, humility, simplicity, gravity, self-control, modesty, cross-bearing. These all must again be made a living part of the total Christian concept and be carried out in everyday conduct. Romans 7 is talking about us, but yet we must return to the simplicity uh, of our faith in moderation, in purity, in self-control. That's what Tozer is talking about. This must be very much a part of our whole concept of our faith and our whole conduct of life, a radical amendment in life. And so I want to show you the statement that we're going to return to a couple of times today and end on at the end is this. Growing in self-control enables us to be a voice of liberation and wholeness 
in the wilderness of bondage and brokenness. Why? Let's go on further as we explore this topic of self-control. Proverbs 25 has a fascinating verse that I'm sure some of you have come across before. And it goes like this. A man without self-control is like a city broken in two and left without walls. Now, as I thought about this, what does it look like for a city to be without walls? Especially in a time when cities, being fortified cities uh, or building forts and all that is a huge part of how you defend a nation, right? It would look like a city without boundaries, right? That's kind of what we do with our walls or fences. It uh, provides a boundary, a perimeter, what is in and what's out, right? A boundary. So a city that is in ruins, that has no walls, basically is one without boundaries. Now, what does that mean? It would then mean it would be a city that is uh, unguarded, right? There is no security. You can kind of sneak in and out easily. Uh, there's no security and therefore no peace, right? Uh, a city without walls would fail to give a sense of peace to its residents. And it also gives the sense of having no governance, actually. A city that has no walls is unsafe. It is lacking peace, no security, no governance. And so it's open to enemies. I thought about this interesting way that I choose to give an example of what it's like, although it's not quite the same, uh, but it's the same in, in some ways. So sometimes my kids and I like to play hide-and-seek, right? And, you know, in, so in a lot of HDB, we've got these void decks. And so and in, in, a, in a, some, some void decks, what you have is a lot of kind of um, uh, walls that don't stretch from end to end, right? They're like little nooks and crannies. And so one day I was sneaking up behind one of the kids and uh, oh, they were surprised. Mommy, where'd you come from? How did you do that? But there's kind of a sense of, uh, uh, it's funny, but it gives a small sense of what it's like to be unbounded, right? Uh, you, you know, you get sneaked up on and there's, you know, you, you, you can't look behind you. People can sneak up on you. And that's how kind of you get this picture of a city that has no walls and no bounds everywhere. And what does that mean in terms of self-control? Now, self-control is essentially, in a very basic form, stewarding of self for others. Okay? And we'll go on to explain this. What do I mean by stewarding of self? Now, we understand, just like Romans 7, the passage that we read uh, from, uh, that Paul wrote about what I want to do, I do not do. What I don't want to do, I end up doing anyway, right, he says. And there is an internal war inside. Why do I say that? See, Jerry Bridges puts it this way, what makes these sinful desires so dangerous is that they dwell within our own heart. The desires that we have that are sinful. External temptations would not be nearly as dangerous were it not for the fact that they find this ally of desire that is right within our own breast, right within ourselves, is an ally of desire that meets with these external temptations. There is an internal war, and it's not so much external, right? Although, yes, temptations and, and circumstances are outside of us, but what's really happening is a war because of the desires that emerge from within our own hearts. Right? So it's an internal war. First Peter 2.11 says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. And we feel this on a daily basis, guys. It's not just every week, once or twice. It's every day from morning to the time you lay down in your bed. We are experiencing an internal war within us. And it's not that we don't love Jesus. I mean, we follow Jesus. We want to know him more. It's not that. But it's just sometimes we, for whatever reason, we fail to kind of like deal with certain disordered desires so much so that 
we end up choosing other things that are inferior to Jesus, whom we love. And that is the word that is within us. We may not think we have major addictions or very obvious ones, um, like you know the big things, but all of us have subtle, subtle addictions. Things that pass as just things we do, right? The things we say uh, about someone else when they're not there, or um, kind of like a little white lie here and there um, to protect ourselves or our own self-interest, um, or slight addictions, even uh, binging on certain things that we know are costing us maybe better rest uh, or better use of our time relationally. All those things are little subtle addictions and idolatry that is within us that betray and, and express disordered desires within each of us. And so the question is whether we would steward ourselves or we would squander ourselves, right? Because there's that choice. Squander, steward, or steward, squander. But we are called to steward self for others. And why do I say that? Um, we live in a cultural climate that is chock full of all kinds of things. We talked about that. Even uh, every, uh, even last Sunday, we talked about like just how human nature we gravitate towards certain things that you know are, are are not healthy. In a cultural climate where I think it's the propensity of most to be self-indulgent, right? Well, to uh, be self-preserving or to desire instant gratification or to be having a drive for materialistic things, material things, or to have excess of material things, uh, excess, lots of it. And uh, in a society especially where um, we can say there's a lot of affluence or efficiency, sometimes there's that drive to uh, possess and achieve and have and own, right? We're also in a culture where uh, it is better, bigger is better, more is better, in moderation, right? Uh, simple is uh, meh, right? More, extravagant, those are great. Where I live in a culture where promiscuity draws people's attention, right? Not the day in and day out little faithful things, but uh, things that are uh, sensational and just... So, and then you add to that cultural climate a growing or maybe it's always been there, but the increasing uh, sense of skepticism towards um, the church, right? Uh, what kind of testimony the church gives. First Corinthians 9, 25, 27 reminds us this, right? It talks about self-control. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air, but I punish my body and enslave it, so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. Galatians 5.13 For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Remember at the start of the series, we talked about love being agape love. It is a love that goes beyond our self-interest, beyond ourselves, right? And so when we talk about stewarding self for others, we're really talking about using the freedom that we have in Christ as an opportunity to serve others through love, uh, whether it's giving of your time, energy, or resources. Uh, all these are ways that we steward self for others. Uh, but, but that requires a stewardship of what we do have. And that requires us to recognize, actually, the climate that we're in is not one that's friendly towards that. It is almost a sense of like this scarcity, a wilderness where people are in bondage to different things. We're in bondage to our disordered desires, our fleshly sinful desires, and uh, in cycles of brokenness and oppression. That's the cultural climate we're in. So Robert Mulholland puts it in a very simple statement I'd like you to think about, even as you're listening. He says, we become either agents of God's healing and liberating grace, 
or carriers of the sickness of the world. We become either agents of God's healing and liberating grace or carriers of the sickness of the world. Wherever you are, especially if you have an LG, I want to prompt you just to uh, shoot a text real quick uh, with your chat guru or buddy from church. Right? Think about this statement. How are we agents of God's healing and liberating grace in an area where people struggle with self-control? Can you think of one? Give you 10 seconds. This is the only place where I'm saying you can take your phone out and like text each other. Assuming you're not doing it most of the rest of the time. Okay. Now, I like that because I think I want to encourage you guys to talk and go deeper about these things. Not just on Sundays or Fridays, right? But ongoing. Just really uh, leaning in as community. So in your live group chats or whoever you texted, I hope that you know, it prompted you to think further. The question is not whether we are um, having desires and uh, 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 doing things that we want to do. The question is whether we are uh, stewarding them or squandering them. The question is whether we are training for good or training for not so good. Right. Second Peter 2.14 has this verse that gives you this inkling of what it means to be trained for not so good. Right. It says there, They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. Wow. So you can train your heart. It's just which way you train it. Hearts trained in greed. But Hebrews 5.14 gives us the opposite picture. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So we can either steward ourselves for others, or we could squander ourselves for others, right? Which one is it? That is the climate we're in. And I want to propose that we could definitely go for stewarding ourselves for others, not squander, because we are not called to squander, right? But with all the things, the goodness and the kindness of God that He's shown us and the love that we've received, we steward ourselves for others. How can we grow in self-control? All right, so we've talked about uh, just generally what uh, self-control is, the cultural climate we're in, and kind of like juxtaposition of squandering, stewarding, right? So I want to talk a bit more now about growing in self-control. Control. Take a good look at Proverbs 16.32 and then we're going to delve a little bit on um, the understanding biblically of the word self-control. All right. Proverbs 16.32 says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. All right. In short, the one who can uh, rule over and uh, have dominion over his spirit is stronger and better than the one who takes a city, than you know, military might or uh, political strength in this context of this verse. So whoever rules his spirit is superior than the other guy. So how do we rule over spirit. What does it look like to have self-control? In Jerry Bridges' book, his, he defines this, uh, his book on the fruitful life, he defines self-control as this. Self-control is the exercise of inner strength under the direction of sound judgment that enables us to do, to think, and say the things that are pleasing to God. The exercise of inner strength under the direction of sound judgment. Now, why does he define it that way? And so, if we delve into, especially like the original language in Greek, uh, the word self-control, that is rendered, that is translated into self-control, and sometimes it's translated into discipline or sound mind and all that, uh, 
it all comes from the original Greek word that is, is one and the same. And so growing in self-control is really to grow in two aspects, if we take you know, from uh, digging into the Greek, right? Inner strength and sound judgment, right? Inner strength and sound judgment. So like the verse that we were looking at in 1 Corinthians 9.25 that talks about athletes training and self-control, that word control there, uh, the original Greek means inner strength, inner uh, or like a strength of will or a strength of character, okay? Uh, inner strength to resist temptation, for example. So that is the kind of self-control that you get, inner strength. Uh, it's also found in 2 Peter 1.6 and 1 Corinthians 7.9. You can check that out on your own. And also, second, second, uh, you can say, kind of the shade of meaning of self-control is sound judgment. And so this is prominently seen in the verse we're familiar with, 2 Timothy 1.7, right? For God did not give us the spirit of fear, right? But of love, of power, and a sound mind. Now that word, sound mind, actually is the same word as self-control, sound judgment. It's also found in Titus 1.8, Titus 2.11-12. So inner strength, growing in self-control is to grow in inner strength, and sound judgment, right? That's a picture that we get. And so that's why to have self-control is to exercise the inner strength under the direction of sound judgment that enables us to do, to think, and say the things that are pleasing to God, right? Draw your attention to this. Titus 2, 11 to 12 is a wonderful hopeful verse. Okay. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Remember, I started off by talking about how we cleanse ourselves by fleeing and pursuing. You see that also in this verse, Titus 2. The grace of God has appeared, and the grace of God trains us to renounce, to flee, ungodliness, and the grace of God trains us to live for God, self-controlled, upright, godly lives, to pursue, so to renounce, to flee, and then to pursue, to live self-controlled, godly lives in the present age. There is a grace that God gives us to be trained to steward ourselves for others, to grow in self-control, and that is to grow in inner strength and sound judgment. So let's swing over now to talk about habit formation, and then we're going to end on that, right? Habit formation. I think it's a huge uh, thing to uh, reflect on, even as this season we've been talking about, uh, you know, incorporating rhythms and just um, being much more intentional in our spiritual practices. Now, the whole idea or intent of habit formation is really to temper our desires and our appetites, right? Uh, to deal with um, the desires that we uh, do not want and to grow and nurture the appetites that we want, right? Appetite, for example, appetite for the Word of God, appetite for just His presence, uh, practicing His presence every day, appetite to like, be engaging in godly fellowship, appetite for uh, things in the Spirit, just these things, uh, requires habit formation because it takes training, as athletes do. Uh, growing in self-control takes training, and sound judgment and inner strength doesn't come naturally which is why William Paul Sell says, and you would find this on our rule of life on our webpage, it says, it is unlikely that we will deepen our relationship with God in a casual or haphazard manner. We know that, right? There will be a need for some intentional commitment and some reorganization in our own lives. But there is nothing that will enrich our lives more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's presence in the routine of daily living. Oftentimes we have and we know, we believe certain things, but are they aligned to our habits? Because in order to have healthier habits, to build new or healthy habits that we do not yet have, that does not yet come 
uh, naturally for us. We need to flee and pursue. We need to uh, renounce and then to cultivate right, and nurture these things. And so to align our beliefs with our habits, it requires habit formation. It requires uh, what Pastor Andre talked about in the Rule of Life video, if you had seen it, if you had not, again, it's on the site. Uh, the understanding of what a rule of life is, is not to be taken as rules. Okay, it's not. Uh, I know we kind of sometimes like say it because we're used to thinking rules and regulations and stuff like that. But the rule of life essentially stems from the word uh, that is understood uh, to be like a trellis. Okay, uh, uh, a support structure for a vine to grow, or like a tomato plant or, or a grapevine, right? A trellis that uh, helps the plant achieve its maximum fruitfulness, so it can flourish uh, and be, yeah, potential uh, that is potential to flourish and be fruitful is maximized, right? That's what a trellis is meant to do, and so to help it climb. Uh, to where it otherwise can't, right? And that's what a rule of life essentially means. It is a framework that uh, creates space and uh, supports, okay? And uh, enables our beliefs to be aligned with our habits. And it helps us in terms of what we we know we value or we prioritize, uh, what we uh, really want to prioritize as opposed to what we naturally are used to or drawn to doing, right? Uh, and that takes habit formation. The right limits is what is true freedom. True freedom, what I mean is, to be really free is to be within right limits that liberate us from bondage and make us whole. That's um, how God's freedom is. Uh, that's why Jesus even said, like, take my yoke upon you. Right? and learn, uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It's not that we are uh, yoke-free. He even says, like, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Why? There is a cross, yes, uh, but he is gentle and lowly in heart, right? And he will give us rest for our souls. So there is right limits in following God, uh, in being a disciple of Jesus. It liberates us from being bound to sinful desires, and uh, bad appetites. It liberates us from these and it makes us whole. Uh, it makes us, uh, from fracture itself, we become whole again, right? Uh, for example, um, the practice of simplicity or fasting. These are uh, when we have the freedom to say no to things, right? So we grow in these practices. So uh, having habit formation, what it does is it gives us freedom to say no to the right things, right? But it also gives us the freedom to say yes to things. Uh, yes to things that we otherwise may not prefer. For example, staying engaged with our community, right? Uh, as brothers and sisters. Or uh, staying engaged in, in prayer, right? Praying with others, for others. Uh, these things. So what it does is uh, when we engage in a habit formation is we have a freedom to say yes and no to the right things, right? So that we have inner strength and sound judgment that enables us to do, think, and say what we ought to say, what we want to say. So to pick up the cross and follow Jesus, right? Or uh, like, you know, we say in John 15 is to abide, right? Abide in Jesus. What does that mean? It means it requires diligent attention, Right? It requires unlearning uh, other things that we want to discard. Uh, it means uh, following Jesus on a daily basis, and that takes uh, regulating ourselves, regulating our wants and our desires. And it also means uh, it's a dynamic process. It's not about being perfect. It's about progressing. Right? It's about progressing in learning uh, to turn to God, right? Learning to turn to Him and allowing Him and His affections to captivate us such that we just delight in doing His will and we delight to be free to do His will, right? That's uh, the God that we want to follow. And so three areas I thought I'd touch on real quick before we close. Uh, how we can uh, pay attention to our habit formation is body, thought, Emotions, right? Body. And I'll just go through uh, like sub points of these real quick. 
body, I think one of the biggest areas of struggle for us is in the area of food, right? Our appetite for food, whether it's um, struggling to um, eat well, right? Eat, feed our body with good things, or whether it's a struggle to like, uh, you know, not... Um, binge it like hours when you don't want to uh, taking care of your you know dietary intake your nutrition where it's talking about how much we spend on our food uh, how how far we'd go in terms of uh, um, the use of our time our money for these things right and how we participate in meals with people right and how we pay attention to that as being an act of worship to God I think these right uh, come into play when we talk about habit formation for our body we're also talking about the area of like health I think many of us um, we struggle with like keeping a healthy routine to keep keep our body healthy uh, at the same time I think also there is a tendency for some of us to be somewhat uh, addicted actually to working out uh, and so working out obviously is not a bad thing uh, but when it begins to take a place that um, distracts us um, from our affection for uh, the things of the kingdom. And, uh, and, and that's not something that I can measure, right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and then we need to pay attention to that. Or it could be in the area of uh, exercising self-control in terms of our rest, right? Some of us also struggle with, like, you know, having good rest and sleeping well, making sure that our quality of sleep is good. Uh, so in terms of body, all these things uh, come into play. And I'm sure there's more. It's not exhaustive. I'm just giving prompts so you can begin to reflect uh, even as we come uh, to almost the end. Okay. Second, body and thought. What about thought? Uh, the first thing that came to mind when I was trying to flash this out is uh, what kind of input we give, right, in terms of our thought life. Because I think uh, our thoughts do uh, uh, is made sway, or like uh, what our mind dwells on is influenced very much by how much attention we give to our input, or like what things we input to our minds uh, and so that also affects in terms of our using time well to do a lot of things that we otherwise that we can do if we don't waste time so limiting screen time uh, or just being uh, willing to just you know be careful what we click on um, things like that so that's thought life there's also integrity of thought and speech and this came to mind as well because I realized sometimes uh, when we talk about um, uh, being honest and things like that. I think that's something to have wisdom about is how we can have integrity in like uh, saying what we... So mean what we say, right? Uh, integrity in terms of what we're thinking and what we say. And not that that's, of course, the exercise of wisdom in that, but there's also a lot of like, self-control, right? To regulate, be careful with our words uh, and uh, the timeliness of what we say and uh, using tact, uh, just be careful who we speak to and what we, uh, how we carry ourselves. Um, having integrity in these things, not to you know say one thing with someone else and then another. So that's not having integrity, right? So that plays into our thought life because what we think about we say, or we're still sometimes what we're thinking we say something that's entirely opposite. So that's not having integrity either, All right? A third aspect is uh, to uh, practice habit formation in terms of auditing. And I think I use this term because uh, Pastor Andre does use audit in terms of like reflecting at the end of the day. And I find it very useful. Uh, uh, another way to uh, call it is uh, basically examine your day, right? To uh, do sort of like this audit at the end of the day, um, what I did today, what I said, and what I thought uh, what I engaged in, what I meditated on. And so all these things play into our thought life. And it also affects, actually, thought and body, uh, the area of our sexual purity. And I think this also is a, another huge area in terms of, yeah, just having healthy sexuality. Uh, and it plays, and a lot of it does have, does require self-control in terms of our thought life um, and the, the way we take care of our bodies, um, how we relate uh, with others socially, and uh, what we read, what we look at, uh, what we click on, right? Sexual purity. And this is not just for singles, all right? This is also for married people, mind you. Um, I think God does um, call us 
to like maintain that purity, yeah? not just in terms of external conduct and behavior, what we do, like what lines we actually cross physically, but we're also talking about just even in our thought, right? So body, thought, and emotions is the third area I want to invite you to think about just for a bit. Um, there are unchecked emotions within all of us. Uh, and for many, I would say it's um, like um, perhaps pent up, like frustration, anger, uh, or bitterness. And, and these bleeds into like resentment, unforgiveness. And I think um, being emotionally healthy uh, requires self-control. It's not something that just comes or like time will heal. Uh, time does not heal. Time with uh, some effort uh, in reflecting and facing your fears or facing your emotions, that will heal. Right. Uh, so we're talking about unchecked feelings or emotions. We're also talking about uh, when we say unforgiveness or resentment. We're also talking about wounds. Right. I think many of us, uh, no matter how old we are, we do carry around baggages or wounds, uh, um, whether it's long from way past or fresher ones. And it's good to actually periodically have some kind of way that you. Um, are able to uh, be accountable to people about deeper things that you can't share in maybe like a larger group. And these are part of um, habit formation, uh, being accountable or having confession time or just having like, you know, um, prayer times when you can uh, really go deeper. Uh, these help uh, to uh, regulate ourselves also, wounds, baggages. And the third aspect in emotion is um, awareness. And I think this one, um, not just periodical, but I think constantly, uh, we need to pay attention to um, the connection between maybe our thought life, our body, um, where we're at physically, and also our emotions, all these things. Take uh, a bit of practice, a bit, no, not a bit, a lot, a lot of practice to be really growing in awareness, um, to understand sometimes, hey, did I just say that? Like, what, where did that come from? And sometimes we, we are not aware. And so we, we need to practice that and just learn to uh, be more uh, aware and conscious and not trying to, again, be perfect, but to progress and growing in self-control. I think that is how uh, Jesus would love to. And that's why he knows um, there are burdens that we carry and there are times that we fail. And so... I will add a bit more here uh, in terms of extra notes is that I think the problem is when we want perfection, um, which is not what we should aim for. What we should aim for is progress. And that is a journey of spiritual formation. And the problem is not, oh, why am I being tempted by this still? I think all our lives until the day we die will still be tempted by something or other, right? The problem is how we respond and how we come back to God when we fail, right? Uh, Face down or whatever. And so obedience, uh, ongoing and like faithful obedience uh, strengthens our inner strength and helps to sharpen our discernment, our sound judgment. And that's why we need to practice it. So there is freedom, I want to say to you guys. Uh, you're listening to this self-control. You're like, gosh, like I am so far down that rung. I'm like far from having self-control in so many areas of my life. I failed so many times. And sometimes we might feel a bit jaded. Uh, but I want to tell you there is freedom in failure. I know maybe some of you are like, what? what? But there is freedom in failure. You know, there is freedom in failure, um, especially in God's presence. It's not about not failing. Okay, When we talk about exercising self-control or growing in it, it's not about that. It's being free to uh, train and discover uh, and be more aware of yourself and to fail. Uh, you know, and sometimes I think when we repent out of fear or like judgment or whatever, fear-based repentance actually teaches us to hate ourselves. We feel lousy about ourselves. Um, but to just delight even when we fail, not even, even when we do fail, and that's many times, it's just know that you can run back to God and that He is the one that, like in Titus 2, He is the one that gives the grace to flee and pursue the things of God. And so uh, that kind of repentance that is based on the delight and affection of God teaches us better to hate sin, not ourselves, right? And that's different. Now, what does this all mean? 
as I come to a close, we've talked about that. And I said that the statement that we want to return to is this. Let me share with you this. It seems like every week there's a long quote, but to me it's a real good one, okay? So hopefully you think so too. There's this. So Robert Mulholland writes uh, quite uh, an amazing book that talks about uh, this very same thing we're talking about, right? And so he, in this quote, he says, this movement of detachment and centeredness Uh, So like habit formation, spiritual practices, and all these things, is not a flight from the world. Such a false asceticism is merely another means by which our religious false self identifies us over against the world. The detachment and centeredness is at the heart of a life of loving union with God is never a world-denying spirituality. It is only the detachment from our manipulative and possessive abuse of the world that enables the world to be the place of life with God. And it is our centering that enables our lives to be in the world, all that God has created them to be, right? So we're not talking about that kind of uh, self-control, but we're talking about one that is like, you know, centered on God, where it enables us to be all that God has created us to be. So growing in self-control, what it does is it liberates us. It enables us to be a voice of liberation and wholeness in the wilderness of bondage and brokenness. And in this wilderness, we are right? You and I. In this wilderness of bondage and brokenness, as we practice, as we grow in self-control, uh, in you know, body, thought, emotions, and so many other aspects of our lives, as we pay attention to our habit formation, as we steward ourselves for the sake of others, as we grow in this, as we grow in inner strength and sound judgment, what happens is this. Your lives my life will become less cluttered. We will be clearer, I'm telling you, in, in your values and your priorities. You will be much clearer because you are training yourself to distinguish what is good, bad, and even better. Okay. How about um, being more rested, right? being more at peace with yourself, less anxiety, less grasping, less, hoard, less hoarding, will be a much more like a, you know, a rested presence uh, in the midst of unrest. Okay, less clutter, clearer values and priorities, a greater uh, sense of restedness, and there are greater economy of words. I think that we will be more mindful of what we say, whether it's in social media or on our phone or uh, in person. Economy of words and just being more yeah, thoughtful in that. And we would have this to me is the most important, a more distilled identity and purpose. And so what would happen if we would not give in to self-indulgence or instant gratification or materialism or promiscuity or immoderation? We would be clearer in our values and priorities. We would be less anxious. We would be distilled in our identity and in our purpose. We will be a people of greater sense of identity and purpose. I'm telling you that is super important in our culture today. In this wilderness, when there is confusion and all sorts of immorality, that is the kind of voice we need to grow in, to grow in self-control. It gives us that voice to speak freedom, to be free, to be whole so that others can be made whole. Think about uh, the people of Israel in the wilderness. They, God, was shaping them to be his people there. Habit formation in their worship life, that their worship was centered around God. Their whole life, everything they own, their sense of the land, the Torah, everything, their identity and who they are as a people was shaped in the wilderness by God himself. And God wanted them to know who he is and who they are to him. That you are my treasured possession. You are the apple of my eye. And God was shaping their sense of identity and their purpose. In Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 7, it says, The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast desert. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you and you have not lacked anything. This is in the wilderness, not in a place of abundance yet. But you have not lacked anything in the 40 years God has been with you. 
In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 to 5, God says, through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one, well, Isaiah was talking about speaking comfort, right, through God. Comfort my people, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And in verse 3, it says, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. When I read this, I just really felt compelled to share this with you. It was not part of it, but like on the way here, I just felt like God was just saying, hey, why that... Um, picture of wilderness. Why? Because God wants us to know that we are in this wilderness when people are in bondage and people are broken. And until and unless we are a different people, we carry a different voice, that we understand what it means to truly be free and to truly be whole and to carry that kind of voice, we cannot be a voice calling in the wilderness. But here it says, every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground become level, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. That is the kind of voice God is calling us as a people. We are not talking about just growing in self-control just to you know, be a good person. We're not. We're talking about growing in self-control because that is what Jesus modeled for us. Right, Jesus, who was the epitome of one who stewarded his entire life for the sake of the world that God loves. That's our Jesus. right? And that's who we are drawing our attentions to and bringing our disordered desires to and saying, God, help me with your grace to grow in self-control today. Because I want to be that voice. We want to be that voice of people who would have a voice that carries this message in this wilderness we are living in that you can be free and you can be whole in God. Now, if you're listening to this today uh, and you're hearing about Jesus, maybe you've heard of him before uh, or maybe not, uh, and today you're hearing about Jesus who sets us free and gives us this, this kind of life and a grace to live for him in a way that is different, who changes our hearts and changes our lives, I want to invite you to say this prayer um, that says, yes, Jesus, I want to give my life to you and I want to, from now on, live my life for you. I invite you to say this prayer, which we're going to put up on the slide. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Today, I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I thank you for your love for me. I want to grow to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray. Amen. Now, if you pray that prayer for the first time, we really love to get to know you, really. So uh, either drop a comment in our Facebook comments down below or you could drop us a Facebook message right here, uh, right away, and we'll get in touch with you.